When I got my diagnosis of ADHD in adulthood, for me, I thought the next step would be to really understand how I structure my days, how I plan my days, and my approach to goal setting and what kind of a mother I'm going to be and what kind of a career I'm going to have and all those, you know, practical things. The more I dug into research, studying the art of coaching and talking to other experts about ADHD in particular, it became clear to me that one thing that was the most profound for me that really shifted my view of ADHD was my mindset. So not only was it that I needed to understand the science behind it, but also it was how I was approaching it, how I was approaching myself all these years in my life. So I went out and found an expert again because I sometimes don't feel like I want to do this by myself. I like to have a conversation and who better than a conversation that I'm going to share with you in a moment with Jeff Copper. He is an attention coach and expert on attention issues, more commonly referred to as attention deficit disorder or ADHD or ADD. He is the founder of Dig Coaching Practice and the host and founder of Attention Talk Radio and Attention Talk Video. Jeff helps students, individuals, and entrepreneurs who are seeking to improve their lives both professionally and in business really make sense of it all. So in this conversation with Jeff, we really dug deep into mindset and I really enjoyed listening to the way he approaches mindset as it relates to ADHD and why it's important for us to really pay attention to that. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jeff Copper. And interestingly enough, We enjoyed this so much that we're both releasing this episode on our own channels and we just wanted to share it to as many people as possible. So I wouldn't be surprised if I'm going to have Jeff back again on this show and we're going to talk about some more awesome things. So enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jeff. I'm excited to talk to him about mindset. Over the past few years as I've been going through my coaching coach training program and working with with uh, professionals and entrepreneurs there's a theme around mindset and what does it all mean so I decided in this case somebody recommended Jeff to me and then I listened to his podcast I listened to some of his words I'm like this is my guy I want to talk to him about this <laughs> so as as always I bring in the experts I like to hear from people that have been in this business longer than me so Jeff has been around for 13 plus years has interviewed many many experts in our field of ADHD so without further ado Jeff let's get into mindsets Kathy first of all thank you so much for uh, interviewing me on this topic it's a lot of fun it's not talked about a lot but it's uh it's a passion of mine really to kind of help people understand what things are and how they all work so appreciate it awesome so tips and tricks versus mindset Let, let's just kind of debunk that one right people come to us and say give me tools and strategies on how to manage my day how to do my planner i can't stick to my goals when that comes up where do you go with that conversation with your clients? That's it. that's really interesting because uh, tips and tricks and strategies, we all want the answer. But often, uh, first of all, when you see a tip or trick or strategy on the internet, it works, I don't know, maybe 15, 20% of the time. 
because we're all different. You know, we, we coach the label, you know, so we coach the individual, not the label, because everybody's a little bit different. And so people have a tendency to gravitate and they think that those things work for the majority. I actually find that they work for the minority of people. Of course, they're the ones writing the testimonials. Um, and often we are applying a tip trick or strategy to the wrong problem. Mm. A, a short, I'll try to shorten this. I was coaching a psychiatrist one time, had ADHD, diagnoses people and prescribes med to them. And he wanted coaching on being late. And in the coaching conversation, I just asked him, you know, some questions like, you know, how late are you? Da, da, da. You know, I'm 10, 15 minutes later. You're an hour late. Yeah. Daylight savings time. You have an hour early. Yeah. Daylight savings times. Ha ha ha. So at one point in time, so let me get this straight. You're 10 to 15 minutes late, like 99% of the time. He said, yeah. I said, well, what's your recipe? He goes, what? He goes, yeah. What's your strategy? I mean, if you're consistently that late, you must have a system. He goes, I don't know. I guess I don't like to be bored. I said, there you go. He goes, what do you mean? I said, there's no time management strategy in the world that's going to solve for the boredom problem. In that moment, we <clears throat> talked about boredom and how he gets in trouble. And, and he began to realize he'd actually had a structure. And there was a very good reason. I want to get into it, but it was good for him to show up late. And he left the conversation uh, with a change of attitude or change of mindset a little bit around that particular problem. But I use that example because it looks like a time management problem, but it's actually not. And I find a lot of those strategies and stuff don't get to the underlying issue. And so that's just illustratively of how they, we gravitate because it sounds really easy, but if you're drowning in a sea of strategies, then you're probably paying attention to the wrong thing. Totally. I remember this one client and I love that, that because it's like, there's always an intention underneath the things we do, right? Good or bad. And the, that emotion that's underneath it. I had a client that was like, I have all these tools and, and I love working with high performing people because they've achieved lots of awesome stuff. And then midlife happens and then, oh, there's your ADHD diagnosis. And, um, you know, she was like, I have all these tools, but I just can't get to them. Right. Like I can't remember them. So, yep. so, so talk to me about that. It's, it's like, you know, you could have slew of things. What do you think about that comment that I can't remember the tools? I can't pull them out of the box. Well, that's a that's a working memory issue. True. Uh, interestingly, and I and a lot of people don't understand. Think about it. And I I can't help it. Uh, Jessica McCabe, who does how to ADD. I don't know. Most people don't know that that uh, her YouTube channel actually started as a place for her to put remind like where she housed tips, tricks, and strategies. So it was really a utility for herself that grew into the website. But uh, Kathy, I think I think it might be worth kind of backing up and setting the table a bit on mindset and kind of at least defining it the way I see it and put it in a context because sure. it might be a little bit easier to kind of understand the answer to these questions. Now, yeah. if you go out and you Google mindset, you're going to get a lot of stuff on fixed mindset and growth mindset, which is a big do. I think it's Carol Dweck and somebody else that's doing a lot of that. And understand that to me. My definition of it is mindset is how your mind is set up to think. Mm -hmm. It's think of it as like a model of beliefs and stuff that you use <clears throat> to judge the world. And we all have we all have mindsets. In fact, I would argue that science is a mindset. It's a collection of how we collectively look at the world. So, and I'm I'm bringing science up because I'm going to use that to illustrate this in a second, but. Mindsets are really important because they're models that we use to judge everything. And all mindsets have anomalies that can't be explained. But those anomalies are so small at some point in time that they're brushed off as insignificant and we really kind of ignore them. But it's when those anomalies become significant that they can't be explained by the mindset 
it throws your mind into chaos. And what ensues is a very intense intellectual battle of working your way through this in order for you to shift your mind to be set up a different way. And I want to come back to this intellectual thing, but let's go back to illustrate this with uh, science. At one point in time, science or the church or our mindset thought that we were human beings were the center of the universe. And Galileo walked in and said, no, we're not the center. We rotate around the sun. Now, that's a completely different mindset on how you look at the world. And Galileo was thrown into jail, and it took a generation for everybody to take a look at the evidence and actually say, you know, <laughs> our old mindset can't explain these anomalies. And we switched our view of the world that we wrote. I mean, the sun was the center of the universe, and it's since changed. What I really want to emphasize is a mindset does not change overnight because the very fabric that you judge everything with is changed. Like the new model disproves your old thinking method. And that doesn't come without proof. It doesn't come out with evidence. And it, it's, it's a very anxiety-ridden thing. So when you take a look at an individual, their mind is set up a certain way. To sit there and say, wait a second, I've got to change my conceptual understanding is very, very difficult. And I say it's difficult because some people actually can make that shift, but some people can't. Mm -hmm. And they can't because their existence or something depends on that old system. So back when we thought we were the center of the universe, the church was kind of dependent upon that particular model at that time. And a lot of people never made that, that transition. I interviewed Dr. Russell Barkley for the first time in 2011 when he was arguing that ADHD was an executive functioning issue. Now, mind you, it does not show up as an impairment if you take executive functioning tests. But he did a couple of presentations and he, he covered seven different points, seven different ways of looking at it. All of them basically said ADHD has to be. We know it's in the prefrontal cortex. We know that's where executive functioning is. So the issue really is either it is an executive functioning or it is not. If it's not, the tests are wrong. I'm going to pause here for a second. At the time, there was no uniform definition of executive functioning. As he said, there was 34 different, it's like a dog's breakfast, like anything goes. And he kind of, all the researchers agree that self-regulation is a major executive functioning. That we have a very specific definition of. And so I talk a lot of ADHD as an executive function, but really self-regulation because it's easy to define. Yeah. But the, the thing is, is that all the, all the people who came up with the executive functioning tests, they're resistant to the new model because their, 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 their work depends on those old tests. And so you can see how they would be slow to make that adjustment. So going back to that mindset, it's a collection of how your mind is set up to think. And a shift in a mindset is very, very powerful. But again, it's a very intense intellectual battle that takes place over a long period of time before you make that adjustment. So let's talk about how this applies to ADHD. Mm -hmm. Kathy, it's been interesting to me as you, as you get to know people that have ADHD that are successful and you listen to their story, there's a few commonalities in it. One of the common themes is you're fighting this thing of who you think you're supposed to be to turn your mindset and really begin to embrace who you are and yes. to be who you are. And it takes years sometimes to do that because you fight this battle internally and, and, and some people never make that shift. A lot of times parents will come 
And they have this mindset that their, their ADHD kid just has to do this. Well, in life, you just have to do these things. And that you just have to do this takes that the strategies back to you should just try harder. And if you understand ADHD as an issue of self-regulation, you're basically saying you need to use self-regulation to overcome self-regulation, like use your weakness to overcome your weakness. Mm-hmm. Intellectually, that just doesn't make any sense. So, Kathy, I, I have dyslexia and learning disability, and it was difficult for me to write. And so when I got into this business, everybody told me I had to write a book or I had to do a blog. And I'm like, I, I don't do it that way. So I started Attention Talk Radio. Ten years later, I've been doing it. And it's been interesting because I get you know, 10, 15,000 downloads a month of my show. And I've interviewed the foremost experts in the world. But I shifted my mindset and said, I don't do it that way. I do it a different way. And I lined everything else around it. And I have been successful with it because I changed the way I look at it. Yes. And if you go back to that parent, it's like they just have to write that book or they just have to write that blog. No, the idea is they need to get content. Let's open up our mind and change our mindset and not define it to be a specific way. And so this context of understanding a mindset is how your mind is set up to think. The fixed mindset and growth mindset, those are that's just a way of defining mindsets and comparing and contrasting the two. But at the end of the day, I think the most powerful thing when I'm working with somebody and coaching them is I actually come from a mindset that people with ADHD are incredibly efficient. Mm-hmm. And they do everything for a very legitimate reason. It's not until you change your mindset and look at that, look for the legitimate reason that you can actually begin to see it. In the absence of that, they're just not paying attention to what you want to. And I'll give you an example. It sounds strange, but I have found 75 to 80% of procrastination is rooted in ambiguity. And if somebody's procrastinating, they they reflexively call themselves a procrastinator, which is an emotion. It's like, like, it's like calling somebody a clown or shaming yourself. That mindset doesn't do anything to solve the problem. But if I say, hey, what's the legitimate reason? It's because you don't know where something is or you don't know how to do something. Now we're no longer shaming ourselves. We're saying, okay, well, I need to, find, I need to problem solve. I need to figure out how to do this or where something is, now we're on the path to get something done. So that mindset that I have is everything's done legitimately and I'm gonna prove to you that there's a legitimate reason. To me, it's powerful because now we can begin to address ADHD analytically and not through the lens of shame and blame. So I'm gonna pause here and give you an opportunity to share your thoughts and comments or, or what do you think of this? I relate so much to everything. I mean, the the procrastination part, I mean, I, I recently even did an episode on it. And even in my conversations with my clients, when we go down to the root of why are you not, you know, doing this? Where Where's the interest? Where's the motivation behind it? And most of the time, it's either it's ambiguous or all these beliefs about, well, I should be doing it this way. Everybody else does it this way. So, you know, that you know, imposter thing comes in, the a whole bunch of things you just touched on, which is absolutely, and then when they see it in front of them, when it's verbalized, and it's like, oh, this is what I've been doing myself. So the self-sabotage thing, it's its really. Again, it's, we can kind of take this back to the mindset is they have this mindset, they're supposed to do it that way. And they're not looking at how they're doing it, how they do it, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of some some examples. It's kind of like a, um, 
uh, what's his name? Peter Shankman. <clears throat> he's a very famous guy. He's got ADD and he does a lot of speaking. It's funny because he changed his mindset of overcoming ADHD. And, and it's funny. He has some speaking engagement agreements. He's got two of them. One is for Las Vegas and one's for everywhere else. And the one for Las Vegas is the wheels of the plane have to leave the ground eight hours after they hit. And the reason he does that is he can't control himself in Las Vegas. And he, he mm. went from the mindset of he has to overcome it to he just has to not tempt himself. And it's, it's a winning. He's actually, I think he's got some stuff where he only owns like, I don't know, seven shirts and five pairs of pants because he gets lost in the decision making. He changed his mindset. He had, you know, this is the way I am. I need to manage my world that way. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. You know, there's, I there's actually had him on the show a okay. few episodes ago and he talks about how even like he'll get on a plane to start a book. And then yeah. that journey on the plane. I love that one. That's 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 really. story. I've interviewed him on that story. That's it's really, really funny. Yeah. But it's it's the, the adopting that you do it that way, that it's a mindset. And the sabotaging is to sit there and say, I shouldn't do it, I should try to do something else. Or uh, and again, uh, the idea really here is and I, the reason I'm grateful to come on the show is if you don't understand something as a process, you don't really understand what's going on. And if you have ADHD, and you're trying to solve it, the people that are successful over time change the way their mind is set up to think about themselves. And they adopt one that is basically dealing with the facts of themselves. And I'm sharing this with you because if you're out there and you really want to do this, you're going to go through the journey. You're going to struggle. There's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of conflict in your mind to adopt it. But if you embrace it as a part of the process, number one, it's going to make that process go quicker. It's not going to turn it overnight. It's going to make it go quicker and you're going to get to where you want to go as opposed to fighting it. Mm -hmm. The other like thing I want to, I want to compare and contrast because people sometimes confuse mindsets with ahas. To me, an aha is the sudden comprehension that takes place when you pay attention to something differently. It's like the aha moment, the eureka or the I get it. A bunch of ahas can lead to the facilitation of a change in mindset. And once you change your mindset, it can lead to lots of ahas, kind of like a hurricane, right? It can spawn lots of them as a result of some of that stuff. But an aha and a mindset are really two completely different things. And a lot of people will talk about, oh, I'm just changing my mindset as if it's going to happen overnight. It's not. It's, it's like, again, moving from we thought we were the center of the earth to we're not. We, we rotate around the earth. Or Newton never said that gravity pulls objects to the earth. He implied it, but he never said it. Einstein walked in and said, no, space pushes things uh, to the earth. And at the end of the day, time and um, time and, and, and gravity, it's, it's, it's malleable. The world is curved. I mean, that's a completely outrageous thought. He wrote his original uh, miracle papers, I think it's 1905. He started with a special theory, special theory of relativity that later became the general theory of relativity that was proved in 1919 with amazing precision that space and time are curved. And it took 20 years for science to actually say, you know, the guy's right. I mean, in all the evidence. And I'm, I'm going to the science so you can mm -hmm. see that anxiety. I mean, like everybody's like, no, they, they prove it. They prove it. They keep going for the evidence until finally it's irrefutable, irrefutable. Again, as you go through this, the idea of listen for that evidence of that. And I know Kathy, because I know how she's trained. I know how she's saying she's looking at strengths banks. She's trying to help people understand what's worked because it's a part of the process to shift the mindset to look what is working as opposed to what isn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I like what you're saying about the, 
the rip it's like the ahas are it's as if you're like you're planting your little seeds but then at one point does a person say okay mindset is shifted i'm feeling it in my soul i'm conceptualizing it it's it, the way i like it um Dr. Roberto Olivardi, I love it how he talks about sleep. Is people with ADHD, their mind can't be bored. It's running 100 miles an hour. But it's when you go to bed, your mind has to surrender itself to sleep. Mm. Surrender. And when you're going through a journey, it's in that moment you can feel yourself surrender. You're letting go of clinging so tightly to that old mindset. So in that moment, again, it's you're surrendering yourself to the adoption. Okay, I'm surrendering. This makes a little bit more sense. And I use that as an adjective. It's a feeling. But I think it's easy to identify with because you're, you're kind of, you're struggling, you're dealing. An aha is an aha. But a mindset is you, you can feel the process or you're surrendering. You're letting go of the old one and you're standing into the new. And that's when you're, that's when you're kind of truly there. And when you're there... <clears throat> It's interesting because the world has a different sense to it. There's a there's a calming and a little bit more peace yes. that kind of comes around when you surrender yourself because you're adopting it. And again, all of a sudden you understand or you can explain things that the old mindset, the old, you know, the old I couldn't explain. And it's almost like I find some of the old mindset I had around certain things, they just disappear. And if somebody says, you know, tell me about this, I'm like, I actually can't even talk about it anymore because of actually reprogrammed it it's gone it's not there yes. i love that surrendering and i always say to my clients it's you know being the process of something being the journey go from a place of curiosity as opposed to being so attached to how you're going to do it and being attached to the outcome of it it's what did you learn in that journey so the two kind of make sense <clears throat> i like what you said that curiosity and the wonder as a coach we're we always ask Wow, what would it look like if you did it differently? What if it looked like if you were yourself? Because you're asking those curious questions because a data question is what's the temperature? That's 88 degrees. But what would it look like if you did that? Sends the client off to begin to think. If a person is resistant, they're not going to go there because they're resistant about discovering anything new or shifting their mindset. But the ones that are open or enough pain, they will go and they'll, oh my God, they'll come back. Wait a second. I, I see things very, very differently. So that's the, the coaching paradigm is really the Socratic method. It's, you know, the answers in the question, it's in that wondering or the pondering that sends a person off to think about things in a different way to see the anomalies and to actually to kind of make that shift. And again, it's a process. I have a question. This is, I don't know if you, how you want to answer it. So we've got ones that they know about their ADHD. They, they know it's, it's kind of getting in their way now. They've been able to cope most of their lives, but now it's getting in their way. But it's also the, what they've programmed and the way they see things is so rigid that even though I say, you know, what about this? What about that? They see it, but then they don't want to push through. What, and, and to me, this is where I'm like, okay, maybe coaching, you're not ready for it or, or you know, we work, but sometimes it, it happens that they're not ready for it. But how would you deal with, or what would you recommend to someone like that? Because they do want to change. So at the, the way I describe this is that ADHD is an issue of self-regulation. And there's two things you have to regulate. One is you have to regulate your attention and two, you have to regulate your emotion. Uh, I simplify the attention side as anything. If you have ADHD, if you're have an activity, you've got something to pay attention to that does not 
elicit your brain to release any kind of dopamine, you, you, you can't engage your attention in it. And if you do get dopamine from it, your issue is not paying attention to it. It's, you can't stop. It's like that kid that's playing computer games for hours on end. It's time to stop and go to bed. He can't. Or the adult that gets on the internet foraging for information. You know, they get on, they can't stop. By the way, I use foraging for information because we foraged for food years ago because of dopamine. So mm. that's the attention side of it. People call it interest and passion. I like to go down to dopamine from the, the physical elements. We're talking about the same thing, but I bring it back to that. But the other part, and, and that dopamine-seeking brain is in the primitive part of the brain. It's, it's, it's a survival mechanism. It's the reason we procreate, because it's pleasurable. It's the reason we forage for food, because it's pleasurable. Today, we forage for information for it. The other side of the primitive brain is that fight, flight, or freeze. It's that, that reflexive emotional response. And I like to use the word reflexive. Like when you're in the doctor's office and they hit you with an, that hammer and your knee swings out, an emotion is a reflexive response where you skip over the analysis and you jump right in to the outcome, a judgment, or something like that. So the, the point that I really want to make is you skip over the analysis. Mm. You jump to conclusions. You skip over the work and you dwell on it. And when I'm coaching people with ADHD, my general, my general overall arching strategy, they come to me and first I want to help them understand what they always pay attention to and what they never pay attention to and what they do that enables them to do things that they struggle with. That's the attention side. And I need to know what works because then I go to the emotional side because now I got to downregulate their emotion and I got to help them implement what they know to work. If we don't know what works, it's kind of, they downregulate their emotion. They go right back to it. So at the end of the day, Kathy, a lot of, I think I'm translating that challenge is people come in and there's a lot of emotion around this yeah. and they're focused on the outcomes that they've had in an old mindset an old paradigm in the old way that they did it. If I can help them say, you do really well when you talk out loud to study for tests, now it's time to go in for tests. They're drawing on a knowledge of failure from tests in the past when they studied differently. Now that I've helped them understand what works for them, the idea is to let go of what didn't work and say, listen, you're studying the way that works for you now. Let's let that go. And that helping people understand that emotional component, the ability to help people really varies. Some people are so, so emotional, it's really hard to let go. Some people, when I frame it out, is that it's easier for them to let go because I've made it more of an analytical type process. But I find one of the biggest blockers in helping people go forward is literally the emotions because they're jumping to conclusions and they're not realizing they're doing it. They've got to stop and they've got to downregulate and they've got to problem solve, which, by the way, a lot of times requires working memory. And that's a challenge for people with ADHD, which is the trick of a coach. So that's a long-winded answer to go back to the question, and that is I find it's in the situation that they're having emotional self-regulation challenges, and it's difficult to coach that because, they, first of all, they have to acknowledge that they see it's an issue, and then the second part is helping them learn how to identify when they're in an emotion. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, an emotional response is a reflexive response, and it happens so quickly they, they don't even realize it, but you work with them over a period of time, and there's only really one way of doing it. I've interviewed I'm just talking for Sesame Street about how they taught preschoolers. I've taught Marines. It's the same process. People use different words, but you got to catch yourself. Usually we try to get people to listen to their body. 
you pause, you belly breathe, you count to three, and then you then you you problem solve. It's a really really simple process to explain to somebody. The by far the diff- most difficult for people with ADHD to execute. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's a long winded answer. But that's kind of how is from a mindset perspective and an analytical perspective, I see that. That makes a whole lot of sense. And also what you brought up about dopamine, I think they also get used to living in that way of being. You know, I'm uh, like for the longest time, I was a workaholic and I worked in a high tech and it was fast paced and it was just the way I was. And it was like, go, go, go. And I, I thought I'm thriving in that environment of just, it's so fast and it's fun, but then I burnt out. So feels so good, feels yeah. so good because you're getting so much dopamine and yeah. it just wears on your period of time. Or you just kind of hit rock by these these guys that are rock stars that are on the road and playing in front of crowds and you know the, the energy and the thrill and your brain can only take so much dopamine, by the way, yes. before it just starts to fritz out. That's why when you take cocaine and stuff like that, it's releasing dopamine. The brain can't handle it. So the receptors actually numb themselves after a while. And so mm. rehab is really about is the brain is used to getting the dopamine. It likes to feel good all the time. And when you remove the dopamine, um, the high levels, it's uncomfortable. It's physically uncomfortable. It's like, it's, un- it's like being really, really cold. It's used to being warm and cozy. It's uncomfortable. That's what that, 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 that's what you, what you go through is to get those receptors back to that level. And that, that anxiety you go through is because the brain likes to feel good. And so I guess it goes to that point of when you're about to hit a shift, it gets really hard. Like just, it gets so hard and you want to go back to your old ways. And I always say, stick with it because this is when it's about to change. This is when you're, yep. you know, going over the the receptors and, 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 and there's, and there's, and there's just, there's different people. Some people that are much more emotional, just the cheerleading and say, Hey, you're almost there. And over the mm-hmm. top is really good for coaching that kind of mindset. The people that kind of come from that, I have analytical people, when I explain the process to them, this is what's going on, and they're witnessing, they're seeing it unfold. The analytical side of it helps them and their mindset begin to, to deal with it. And I'm saying that because that's why we coach the person, not the label, is yeah. because we have to understand it's a shift of mindset, but we also have to understand their mindset, and we have to tr- help, we have to go to where they are first then kind of help ask questions. And if they're stepping out of that, we've got to be there for them through this conflict and anxiety for them to make that shift and how people make that is different. That's why coaching is you have to adapt yourself so much to the person. I like it. I like it. So we're 30 minutes into this awesome conversation. Um, Anything else that we missed that you really wanted to get out and put it in front of our listeners here today? The, the thing that I, I'm going to share this and and, because it's, it's a, it's a, it's the process. Remember when you were in math class and you had to do word problems? Yeah. Don't give me PTSD right now, please. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Well, hang on. Like at the end of the day, we all hated those things. Yeah. Because why? Because I'm going to come to the why in a second. Once you have the equation. The mathematical equation you got to solve for the equation mm-hmm. what word problems are word problems are not a spectator sport what you have to do is you have to sit down and you have to take a look and you have to identify what you're solving for mm-hmm. then you have to look at the variables the known and unknown variables and you have to identify which ones are relevant then you have to figure out how to put them in a certain kind of sequence the equation in order for you to solve that when you're looking for a tip trick or strategy basically you're saying give me the equation 
And we started this conversation at the beginning of a simple experience with a psychiatrist that was late. The time management equations weren't addressing what was really, really there. And so for people that are going forward, like really trying to do something about, it's really about problem solving. It's about understanding what you're trying to solve for and trying to figure out those variables and those variables and stuff like that often come back to what works for you. And so the coaching process and the, the, the ADD process, it's, I hate to say it, it's kind of like a word problem. We hate that, but it's, it's the formulation of your equation that's going to work and your variables are different from everybody else. And that's why I have clients that read, like when you first get diagnosed, get the education and gain the awareness. And then I forbid them to ever read another ADHD book because they spend too much time trying to be like that person yeah. when they have to turn inward. Yes, And that is an interesting trick because self-observation is not something that we talk about a lot. Kathy, you and I are experts at asking questions to help facilitate self-observation to make that move a little bit quicker. But the people that I've seen that have gotten through AD that are successful, they either problem solved on their own or they got that facilitation. And it's really about trying to figure out what your equation is. And if you're dry, drowning a sea of strategies or drowning in a sea of equations, those are equations that solve other people's problems and not yours. Really? And I hope that people through this conversation begin to understand what you do and what I do in context. You now know the process and you understand how it works. So as you work through this process, you can embrace it. And while I know you don't like word problems, Kathy and I are here to help you figure that out so that you can execute your own equation. I love the way you said that. That was just brilliantly. I'm always like, well, how else can I explain coaching? Well, there it is. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. This is like, I, I'd like to have you back on the show to talk more about this stuff, something else, because you're, you're so much wisdom in your brain. So thank you. Thank you. I think oh, a lot I of ahas went up for my. Yeah, I actually want to compliment you is I talk about this a lot and a lot of people, they just want the quick fix. They want what they want. And I want to commend you for really, we talked about this and you said you brought on very few people will allow me come in and talk about this and get it out to the public because this is the stuff I think people need to know. And so mm -hmm. I really look at you as an ADHD community resource for being willing to go out and say, this is how, what it really is and have this type of content. So thank you, Kathy. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. So folks, until next time, I hope you come back and listen to this again and take more notes and um, keep on shining people. There's a whole lot out there for us. And here's another way of looking at it. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. It was a great conversation with Jeff and I cannot wait to have him on here for another topic. Related to this topic, however, did you know that I use a tool with my clients to actually measure their level of perspective and how they see the world and react to circumstances? This measurable self-awareness tool is a game changer for many of my clients. It empowers them to shift to an optimal mindset and a new perspective on how they react and respond to stress and overwhelm. In 2018, Forbes Coaches Council recognized this assessment as one of the top 11 assessments that every executive should take. So for that, I have a special promo for you. And if you go into show notes and click on the assessment that's available, 
you will be able to spend 90 minutes with me and we'll go through it together and see where your perspective is at and where you like to make changes. Looking forward to connecting with you.